Hi guys, welcome back to LTF1. I'm here with Yushin for another race review. And this week we have Chris and Cassie from CCF1 joining us as well. Thanks for having us on. Happy to be here. So we have a lot to talk about this week. But let's start at the beginning. Before the race even started, all four of us tried to make predictions. None of us got the predictions right. But what (laughs) sort of mind frame were you guys in before the race had even started? Uh, We had two very different predictions on our side. I personally thought that it was going to be Bottas first, Russell second, and then Perez was going to make a mad dash into third. But I was thinking this way because from what we saw last race, it seemed like P2 was not the strong side to be starting on. So I was a bit shocked um, that it actually ended up playing into his favor. But yeah, I I was thinking that Valtteri was going to put the pedal to the metal, so to say, and pull out a strong result for once. Yeah, you could definitely, my hope was for Max to just take both Mercedes in on the first turn. Uh, much similar to last race, but except this time Hamilton doesn't get away well. Uh, but quite content with the the way it played out in the end. But uh, that's what I was looking at mostly in terms of looking yeah, at the grid. Yeah, my initial prediction was um, Verstappen first and George Russell second. <laughs> and the reason that I predicted that is because I thought that today with no Hamilton, Verstappen would see this as his best opportunity to win. And just because he has more experience of being in a position to win races, did I think that he would, that he would um, be a clinical sort of win today and he'd get the result. But obviously, thanks to Leclerc. Well, I mean, Leclerc had a really good qualifying session himself. So this, what ended up happening was an extreme letdown for, for his race overall. Yeah, and you sort of got the feeling that because he qualified so high, he was pushing too much. Yeah, I do agree with the point that um, I think Leclerc would have been trying to gain as many places as he could at the start because he knows that the Mercedes are going to be faster than him, the Red Bulls are going to be faster than him, the McLarens are probably going to be faster than him. (laughs) So I don't blame him for trying to make the lunge, but maybe he tried it too early. And yeah, I'd say it's 50-50 his fault. Um, I'd say 50% it's because he knows his car's inferior to some of the other cars at the top of the top of the grid but i think as i say he should have made the lunge a bit late seems like he's been having a little bit of an issue with those tight inner corners and just having that door <laughs> closed on him this isn't the first time we've seen him kind of make this mistake throughout the season so i wonder what his headspace was after that because i think what this is now the third or fourth time that he's been in this position but this was probably the biggest incident that resulted from it yeah, and that's maybe something that experience will bring as well. A calm head comes with experience. We can't forget that he's only in his second season with Ferrari this year. Even though he had such a great standout season, he's still a rookie. And it even took Verstappen all those years to really get up to a mature stage in his career. It could be. I'd be curious to see if Ferrari manages to actually get some pace into the car next season if this is just a driver error or if there's something that isn't really permitting him from staying out of those situations yeah and i guess it's every time he out qualifies the car and he gets it high up the grid he feels even more pressure maybe to make sure that he stays at the sharp end of the grid 
because um, obviously that's where he wants to be. So maybe in that he's just pushing the car a little bit too much and a little bit too far. Um, you know, Max was known for that in his early Red Bull days. But Max, actually another loser at the start, was keeping himself out of trouble and he kind of got collected by everyone else, unfortunately for him. And he was really angry about it afterwards. You could, you could tell. Um, even in the post-race, he was still quite angry. You also have to give it to him, though. It's, it's this one time he decided to stay away from the battle and just move around it. It still didn't work in his favor, which is what's really unfortunate. Usually you're used to seeing Max being in a part of the collision, so I was quite confused when I saw his car beached into the side of the Yeah, with Max, um, I've criticized him before for calling him over-aggressive, but today it was... <laughs> It was quite ironic to see him trying to stay out of the action and it still ended up uh, ending badly. It's very on brand. I think it's, what, his second one off the first lap too? So, Especially on two races in this season where he's had high expectations to do really well. Makes you wonder where he would be in the Drivers' Championship and how much further Red Bull would be ahead if he didn't kind of have these random strings of bad luck, especially with him DNFing all the races in Italy. Well, Alex Albon didn't give them that much help either with his qualifying position yesterday for the race today, starting out in 12th. And I think he almost had an off at the start of this race. I think it showed up quickly. He just went into the, the dirt as well. Uh, but it was kind of looking a bit better later on for him, but as it progressed. <laughs> yeah, and that's where he really, really hurts Red Bull in that they can't play a strategy with two cars because really they only have one car in the race at any one time because Max is delivering the goods and Alex is usually at the bottom of the grid. Yeah, they basically don't get to play into the team strategy element at all when Albon is so far back or when Max crashes out. So they're leaving themselves with very little options by playing this game. I also found it funny in one interview they kind of asked Albon what's his strategy and one of the parts that was a key factor was him saying oh yeah we might get lucky with some other people's mistakes I'm like that can't be your strategy going into a race like hoping that someone else messes up uh, I, I just don't think that's the right attitude myself. I couldn't agree with you more that's a terrible attitude to go into a race with and maybe it's because he knows he's not getting the mm. seat. He knows that he's not going to be there for next year. I'm not sure because I did see in another interview how he was talking about postseason testing and working on the car over the winter. So I don't know if that was him just trying to be a blind optimist or if he has some sort of intel. I think with Albon, uh, the thing is, because his com- I'd say his confidence has been knocked quite a lot this season by him not performing as well as he should. And I think he may be resigned to the fact he's not going to get a seat next year. So I think maybe that's why he's mentioned about other people's mistakes rather than him talking about his own driving and how his own driving getting back in it personally. Personally, I think what they should do is put Alex back with Pierre, let him build his confidence up a little bit. I know that there is such a strong desire to see Yuki in that second seat, but it's not going to be the end of a world if he spends another year in F2 where he would most likely win the championship. And then you can get Perez up in that Red Bull and have two very aggressive style of driving that might suit the car a bit better. In worst case, you just sign him for one year. And if it doesn't work out, then I'm sure Albon or Gasly wouldn't mind the uh, the promotion back up to the team. It's debatable just to see how well they do with AlphaTauri, like Gasly's been doing quite well. 
Uh, so yeah, I think there's no there's no risk in Red Bull promoting uh, or bringing on someone like Checo to the team and moving Albon back down. It might reset him as well. Yeah, well, I've heard recently in rumours that Alex Albon isn't interested in going back to Alpha Tauri. I think that would be the most sensible option for him because otherwise he risks losing a place in F1 completely next year. And so I think he should take the place in Alpha Tauri. And I think Perez, you know, I think I don't think I don't think Red Bull can ignore him much longer. I don't think they can put it off much longer the announcement. And I think today especially will show that he needs a seat next year and it needs to be at Red Bull. So I think Albon should take the seat at Alpha Tower if it's offered to him, because I think that's his best bet to stay in F1 for the long run. Yeah, Red Bull are the only team that, if they do take a chance on him, that would be willing to take a chance on him, especially with Perez putting in the performances that he has been over the past few races. These are performances that Alex Albon right now could only dream of. I think also Perez has shown on so many occasions throughout this entire season that he's right up there kind of sometimes in places where he shouldn't be just because of the car he's driving, but he's making the moves happen. So if it hasn't already been clear enough for Red Bull that this is the man to sign, today just further solidified it to the point where if they don't pick him, they're going to walk away from this kind of looking a little bit, I guess, like they have their foot in their mouth or something. (laughs) Like just the pride that they would have to try to hold just to justify not signing him, it I, I kind of think it would make the team kind of look a little bit foolish, in my opinion. Yeah, Red Bull haven't been amazing with their recent driver transfers. The last success story really was Max Verstappen. And even back when they first put Gasly in the car, a lot of people were saying they should have gone with Science because he had those Red Bull ties. And now look how well Science is doing, and Red Bull is struggling on the other side of the grid. So. And for me, Red Bull needs to make a decision sooner rather than later because drafting in a driver at the ninth hour tends to not end well. Well, there's still there's still one race left for them. That's what they're saying. They, they're going to decide at the end of the season. And uh, I guess maybe the verdict will be done in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, well, I guess the fact that they've continuously pushed back their announcement date tells us that they haven't completely made up their minds because didn't at one point they said we'll decide shortly after the like I think after sometime in August they said oh we'll decide at the end of September and then it was we'll decide after Turkey and now it's we'll decide after the season so I think the fact that they're pushing it back tells us that not everyone agrees on the best course of action you know Netflix is following it though <laughs> and you know they'll, they'll take every ounce of drama out of it that they can <laughs> Uh, but hopefully the series will be interesting. Yeah, it's also always interesting to see in uh, this race as well. We did get to see Checo have to uh, fight against Albon during a few laps of the race, and I'm sure he's always paying attention where it's like, oh, that could be my seat next year, and maybe the Red Bull team is also watching closely uh, how they're performing wheel-to-wheel against each other. Yeah, and you have to assume that when they are next to each other on the track, which they have been a lot, recently that both of them are looking to prove a point to the other one and that's why we kind of see the best of them when they're together on the track and Perez usually benefits Mm -hmm. he's usually coming out looking better but talking about 
Netflix and the curse of Netflix. They were following George Orson. The curse weekend. continues. Yes, the curse does continue. And I feel like he really would have won it this weekend, uh, despite Bottas trying to pull him back and the gap not being too big. I think he had it covered. Yeah, I was watching uh, the times between Bottas and Russell and just seeing if like uh, seeing if Russell was getting away with it, much similar to let's say in another race where Hamilton's lead just increasingly gets larger but in this situation it was roughly pretty close it seems like at some times russell mentioned on the radio he had either low power or no power at one point and then the gaps kept getting shorter and shorter very ever so slightly so i do wonder had no safety cars or virtual safety cars during this race had happened would bodice have ever caught up to russell well i thought russell was gonna win for sure i thought because mostly he was Average around, I think, 2.3 seconds clear of Bottas. And uh, after Bottas pitted, it was about five seconds. So I don't think it would be, you know, he'd run away with it. But I did think uh, George Russell would win. And, mm-hmm. yeah, he he was on the wrong power mode after he came out of the pits. But that's just because he was getting used to the Mercedes car. But I thought, yeah, I thought George Russell would win. <laughs> Not convincingly, as I just said. But I thought he would just about win it against Bottas. Hypothetically, had nothing gone wrong in the race and Mercedes hadn't messed up with the tyres or anything. But yeah, the power mode moment was the first time in the race I had a heart attack because I really thought that I thought that it was a power unit issue and I thought that George Russell was going to be out the race with a power unit issue back then. But might have sweated yeah, it a little bit. Yeah, I was a that. little scared that it was another case of like when Charles had hit his problem last year after leading the race after so many laps and then slowly just lost and ended up in p3 i was really not hoping for that scenario but in the end it was even worse than that yeah i think it definitely would have been easier for george if it he had made the mistake or he had spun out because you know then it would have been down to him but i think the fact that the team messed up and it wasn't his fault at all i think that was the hardest bit for him and the hardest bit for everyone watching because yeah, he didn't deserve it at all, and it was just something completely out of his control. So, yeah, I think it would have been easier for him um, if he had, if didn't it had been him that had made an error or spun out or crashed like Leclerc did. Yeah, he'll take some comfort in that, and I think Toto said post-race as well that they've seen what he can do, and he's proved himself. It doesn't matter that he lost the win. I think it was just made worse by the fact that it was so uncharacteristic of Mercedes making mistakes that... We've never really seen, aside from Germany 2019 and that whole catastrophe, but I almost wonder if it would have been easier to handle if it was George himself who made a mistake and spun or didn't manage his tires properly or something of the sorts, or if it's actually harder because he made virtually no errors of his own, aside from having the wrong power unit setting, which was a quick fix. But in terms of actual pace and driving, he didn't put a foot out of line. Yeah, and that's why I say that even though he wasn't on the podium, he won the weekend. He had Bottas more or less covered. He was controlling in the race. He was calm Hmm. and he did nothing wrong. And he gave us exciting racing. That's not something we see from Mercedes normally. He was giving us some really good overtakes as well during the race, considering in a Mercedes, like usually you would hear like, like last week, Bottas was having a hard time in like the dirty air to make overtakes whereas in this case George was flying by people yeah last week it was said about Bottas that 
you know, the Mercedes car because they want to make it the fastest every year. Mm-hmm. And they want to be the fastest car ever in F1. That it's bad in traffic. But I think <laughs> I think George Russell dispelled that myth today because at the end he was in, you know, a lot of traffic. And when he came out of the pits into fifth, was it? He was in a lot of traffic and he made his way through fairly easily. So, so yeah, I think it just showed what a good quality driver that George Russell is. And I think that that would be the team's biggest takeaway from the weekend, seeing how well he proved himself under pressure. And absolutely, when things weren't going his way, he still did everything he needed to. He was vocal over the team radio. He didn't collapse. And that, that would be a big plus point in his favour, hmm. um, you know, with the team. And that's what they're looking for, someone experienced. Because usually you get a younger driver in and you have to deal with the emotion and the lack of maturity. But George doesn't seem to display any of that deficiency. He's quite on top of everything and very professional. Yeah, I mean, the fact that when he was handed just one of the worst possible outcomes that you could be given as a driver and he just put his head down and still tried to get the job done to the best of his abilities. I think that shows that not only does he have the talent, he has the mental resilience to get the job done when it counts. And the mental side is almost just as important as the physical and technical ability behind the car. I think uh, it was showed by George Russell as well that every circumstance he found himself within the race he always fought back so have you heard the rumors that mercedes are going to use this as a bargaining chip in the hamilton negotiations to kind of say look there's this kid a lot cheaper who can do more or less exactly what you're doing i don't think that they would ever you know consider not signing lewis because I mean, you can't. With a resume like his, they'll obviously still want him on the team, but I think this will definitely be good for negotiations on at least Toto's side to be like, you know, there is someone gunning to steal your spot. Is the money really worth it? Because we have someone here that we could nurture into the next future star. So I don't think that they'll outright not sign Hamilton, but I think it will make negotiations a little bit more interesting. Well, it's definitely not over for George because I think Toto, after the race, he said some words to the effect of that this won't be George's last race in a Mercedes, which I think was quite cryptic for especially Bottas. I think it'll only push the both of them to do better because if you think about it, everyone always says that Hamilton is not the driver that he was when he lost to Rosberg, that he's on this new level now. And if he's pulling out these results against someone like Bottas, who maybe isn't always the strongest competitor on race day, but has been putting up a decent fight in terms of qualifying throughout the season, it can only make you imagine how strong Hamilton will have to fight in order to fight off someone like George, who honestly has nothing to lose and just wants to push himself. Because there's the massive rumors about 2022 and George Russell, you know, taking a seat at Mercedes, so... Even though today was disappointing, we will see George take a podium at Mercedes. I'm 100% sure of that at some point. Whether that's next week, if he's obviously there for Mercedes next week, or whether it's in 2022. Yeah, so obviously disappointed today, but it will happen. Yeah, and there's still hope that in future races, should he be signed, that he gets another chance at 
fighting for the podiums. So maybe we'll all get to relive this same feeling again if, let's say, signs for Mercedes and on his first race of the season, he pulls out a win over Hamilton. I mean, I still definitely think that he'll be back in the car next weekend. Yeah, I hope so too. Obviously, we hope that Lewis gets over COVID and recovers fast, but it would be really nice to see Russell in the car. And I think there's some travel restrictions or something complicating whether Lewis can even get out of Bahrain anyway, so hopefully we see George. Totally agree with that because, yeah, I've also been seeing apparently some rumors that there may even be travel restrictions between the two countries that if you don't turn a negative result while you're in Bahrain, you can't fly into Abu Dhabi. So I think Lewis's chances, if he's still showing symptoms at this period in time, I think there's a pretty big risk that he's not going to be able to race next weekend. Which gives George the perfect opportunity to come back. It also gives Bottas a really good opportunity to to prove himself again. He's won the championship, so at least he doesn't have to stress about any of that. Exactly. Maybe in Euro of 2021, win the championship and then go home. It's time for the young drivers after that. You can retire for the season. <laughs> exactly. It would make things a lot more interesting, wouldn't it? And we get to see a kid like George Russell in the car every year, maybe. <laughs> hopefully if George Russell does get the drive in Abu Dhabi which he will smash I'm sure if he does get it it's a bit more of a calm race it's not one that plays with our emotions because George very easily could have been out at turn one with everybody looking quite racy and the Mercedes getting very close together it's a miracle that they didn't all come together fortunately he was he wasn't the one who ended up because could you imagine if on turn one Max ended up taking out Russell at the same time and we didn't get the full race experience of what Russell could have performed? I think that would have been the most gutting. I'd have stopped watching. That would have been it. The TV's off, the remote's thrown across the room. George needed to get points. <laughs> I don't think many, very many people could have taken that, that heartbreak, even though we were all lined up for a much deeper heartbreak a little bit later on in the race. And at that point, when... George had to come in again, I think. I thought it was, uh, you know, when he had the slow puncture. I thought that was a Bottas thing, because obviously Bottas was on much older tyres and the commentators were already talking about him. So I was kind of like, wait, a Mercedes has, has gone down? And then, oh, no, it's okay, it's Bottas. And then the realisation hit that, no, that's George, unfortunately. But... There's something you just can't do anything about it. If you remember back to Bottas in Baku, I think, a couple of years ago or last year, when he was about to win and he went over debris a few laps from the end, he never seems to be able to catch a break. Yeah, we had to... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, was... Bottas is the king of bad luck and he seems to have rubbed a bit of that bad luck off on George this week. Hopefully he can bounce back and maybe get Netflix away next week. Yeah, we sort of had to go from first the mindset that oh he's actually potentially going to win this race so after the first incident okay he's going to fight for a podium at least like we kept changing our what we were going to settle for and then at the end we just had to settle for points at the end and luckily he was able to pull it off with the so few laps he had left maybe maybe if he does go back to Williams now he's got a little bit more added confidence to get points in that car but I really hope he doesn't have to go back to Williams this season, maybe they can drive for next season. But for now, George Russell is a Mercedes driver. 
Well, if George Russell had to go back to Williams next week, it'd be like you know going from winning the lottery to uh, to going back to your nine to five the next day. It'd be absolutely soul destroying for him. Maybe in a Williams. <laughs> you don't know the new the new owners could flip that team around. But I think it would also be super important for, like you said, for George to continue with Mercedes in Abu Dhabi because I don't think he would be able to handle going back to the Williams now after such a powerful race to end up back fighting to get into Q2. So I think that satisfies Ishan's George Russell segment of the race. Maybe we can talk about some other drivers now. <laughs> Having to put aside my disappointment for George Russell not winning today or not even getting a podium, I had to... Uh, set myself mm. back on the mindset of how happy I was for uh, Checo Perez because last week he had the, the power unit failure in the last few laps so today it really showed how mentally strong he is and how resilient he is I mean, that he you... managed to come back and you know win today so yeah I was really happy for him and he really deserved it after how long it's been without him having a win the 186 races I think I think that's right. Yeah, it just felt like the ultimate redemption. And my God, what a comeback drive. I mean, to be knocked down virtually to last on the first lap and then end up first coming across the finish line on the last lap. Like, you you can't write this stuff. That's just an unbelievable story to be able to tell in an unbelievable way to get your first win. Yeah, I don't think anyone could be not happy with a Perez podium because, let's be honest, he has deserved it and it's fitting that if he doesn't have a drive for next year this is an awesome way for him to bow up accomplishing something and then leaving especially after last week too with his engine failure that probably added a lot of more motion to this win and considering i think he's been the longest uh, current f1 driver to go without a race win of 10 years the whole podium really with perez ocon and stroll needed that confidence boost Ocon however everyone is really going to need it he's going he's been out for a year that must have hurt and then coming back and having to deal with Ricardo has really been difficult for him and getting to grips with a new car and then next year he's got another challenge coming in a two-time world champion so he needed this little I was gonna say he's definitely gonna need that high level of confidence going into next year when you have a teammate like Fernando that just shows no mercy i mean you can tell that Ocon was struggling a little bit in terms of comparing himself to such a strong competitor like ricardo but at least ricardo's a happy-go-lucky guy and can kind of make the team atmosphere a little bit more enjoyable for everyone you know that alonso's gonna come in there wanting to absolutely dominate so esteban needs the good results he needs the confidence boost and hopefully he can continue up next weekend to kind of drive that confidence into the winter like testing and then into next season well if you think of Danny Ricardo as like a sort of nice sunny day with all due respect to Fernando Alonso because obviously you have to respect everything that he's done within F1 it's kind of a bit like a rain cloud coming in to replace Danny Ricardo because he's going to be so set on dominating and whether he will or won't we'll see but He'd be so set on coming in and dominating and winning that, you know, it may knock Ocon's confidence. So I think it's really important that Ocon got the got the podium today that he deserved and that, yeah, the confidence will hopefully carry through with him to next season. And there must be a lot of pressure on him already because obviously Alonso is 
has been in the garage with the Renault team for the past few races. So that will already be putting pressure on Ocon a lot more than it will be putting pressure on Daniel Ricciardo because he's leaving. He's going to McLaren next year. So yeah, he needed this break. And he's helped his team a lot for the Constructors' Championship. It's so tight in the midfield right now and we're privileged to have it like that. But these points have been really good for him. I mean, we were we were just saying before like this was too big like this weekend was a big win for both the racing point and the Renault teams in their fight for the third place in the championship and it's I think even closer now going into the last race uh, it really brings the question um, who's going to end up on top and also I don't think we realized at the start of the season we would see three Renault podiums by the end of it I think that's a really shocking aspect from this season even though in this season Mercedes have been clear of the field by at least the second the amount of competition in the midfield has been really really good to watch and it's been a lot higher than I can remember in any other years (laughs) and that will have something to do with the fact that we're going to new tracks and they had less time to prepare but I really hope they can continue that into next year because seeing the fight of literally any one of 10 cars could be best of the rest is thrilling it's what we always want to see i think Ocon now is the 13th different driver on the podium this season we haven't had stats like that in so long so to know that even if there's a slight mistake from a mercedes driver or a red bull driver the fact that that gives someone an opportunity to get a podium that even last year would have been almost completely unachievable it's a great thing to see and you just hope that eventually these teams will be able to put their cars in that position on pure merit and not always just a stroke of luck or a stroke of misfortune from someone else. Speaking of misfortune, McLaren and Carlos Sainz had such a terrible Sunday after a difficult qualifying with Lando. Lap 1, Carlos was battling with Bottas. It looked like he was going to be really well in this race. And then that bad pit stop just tumbled him down the order. It was heartbreaking. Before that happened, I really thought they were going to be on for such a strong performance today. I mean, you had Lando move up nine positions in the opening lap. That's just, that's that's amazing to see. And it seems like McLaren have this ability to start from further back than they should be, but then make up those positions almost right away. I was really thinking that we were going to see both of them in the top five but poor strategy call, and then Lando was just struggling to make it stick at the end. Uh, I do really highly rate Carlos Sainz as a driver, and Lando as an upcoming driver, so I can see it will be really, really interesting, because I can see McLaren being competitive, but for me, racing point just edges it. McLaren started the year really strong. When everyone expected the racing point, the pink Mercedes, to come out and dominate McLaren with the success story of the season, and they seem to have just trailed off a bit in these last few races maybe that's because they're preparing for next year a little bit more because they're taking that mercedes engine but i really hope that they do come back as strong as they were this year (laughs) do you guys have any uh predictions on who's going to take the championship for third place in abu dhabi i'm i can't remember from last year's results how each team did but any hunches well between third and fifth at the minute there's only what 22 points but with the amount of confidence that Lance Stroll and Checo Paris would have had from today, I can see them, as he said, not comfortably, but I can see them uh, taking the third place next week. 
I'm a bit of a McLaren fan, so I'm I'm biased to say I hope McLaren will take the championship and all the points. <laughs> but I I just don't think they can get on top of that challenge that Racing Point are giving them at the moment. Racing Point have not put a foot wrong. And McLaren seems to have these gremlins right now that they really can't get over. And they're going to have to try something mega to stop a racing point with a Mercedes engine in the back of it blasting down the street in Abu Dhabi and just blitzing away into the into the distance. Racing point could even be on to beat the, the Red Bulls uh, next weekend out. And it would be nice to see Perez on the podium, I guess, for his last race. I think at this point with, I wouldn't say necessarily a comfortable lead, but showing their recent race pace and the confidence that both drivers are going to have going into the next race, I, I'm also putting my money on racing point. I do think McLaren are going to have a little bit of a comeback and try to tighten up the gap because it just kind of seems like with Renault, they never both have a fantastic race. It's always one or the other. And I mean, that that's kind of a little bit of a bold statement considering Daniel still ended up fifth this race. So the fact that a fifth place in comparison to a second place is a disappointment says a lot. But it just seems like they can rarely string together two strong performances in a singular weekend. So I think that's why McLaren are still going to come out ahead of Renault, but behind Racing Point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would probably be where they end up uh, switching it up. We're all really, really good at predictions, <laughs> as we saw this weekend. So who do you guys think are going to be on the podium for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix? I'm, I'm going Russell P1. <laughs> I really hope I don't jinx him by saying that, and I'm so sorry if I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, going Russell P1. If Max can pull it together, I think I'll go for Max P2. And then I want to say Sergio's going to get another podium. So I'm going to go Sergio P3. I'd like to see Sergio once again on the podium for like a back-to-back since he was robbed in the past few races for just a poor strategy or a mechanical issue. So I'd like to see him somewhere in the mix. Definitely one of the Mercedes is there. I have the feeling like Boss is just going to come out of nowhere and just set everyone at bay again and get everyone to calm down and maybe take the the win on the next race and i'd probably imagine seeing max up there too so i would probably just go Bottas, max and uh, sergio as my my three unfortunately for russell <laughs> i think for abu dhabi um i can see i know i'm a big fan of his but i can see george russell coming back really hungry and really wanting to win and obviously he raced really well so with no uh, with no sort of nothing goes wrong like it did today, and then I can see George Russell on for first, and I'm going to go really bold and say Checo Perez for second, only because today on the on a, the speed trap, uh, Perez was clocked at about 211 miles an hour, which I think was the fastest car on the track recorded. And with his confidence, which is going to be sky high going into the next race, you know, I can see Perez pipping Verstappen to second, and then I can see Verstappen taking the last place on the podium with Bottas coming fourth, because 
I just, I just, I don't know. I just can't see Bottas doing it next week, personally, for me. Well, I'm going for the podium that I want to see. It might not happen, but I want to see it. I'm going to go George Russell to win with a 20-second margin. <laughs> and then let's have Alex Albon prove all of his doubters wrong, as were most of his doubters, uh, coming in with P2. And then just for the perfect fairy tale podium, we'll have the rest of the Twitch quartet behind them. Lando, <laughs> Lando in P4. And... Sorry, Lando in P3 and um, Leclerc maybe in P4. That would be amazing. Ooh. Last lap Lando. Spicy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That'd be interesting. I, I, I do wonder, I, I can't remember the stat, if pole position is very important at Abu Dhabi. I don't know how many overtaking possibilities there are at that track. It depends on how strict they want to be with... Uh, um, track limits? Yes, thank you. Yeah, so I could I could definitely see George taking the pole position next week, that's for sure. And I think that's going to be quite important as well because Abu Dhabi's not the best place for overtaking. Uh, once the race really gets started, maybe the first lap, yeah. But then it, it's not great after that. No, he'll have If he gets pole, then he'll probably win the race. Speaking of the tracks, what do you guys think uh, in terms of the outer track for this week? Did you find it... Uh, invite more racing than the regular circuit at Bahrain? I actually kind of preferred it to the regular circuit. I just loved the high speeds. And uh, I mean, in comparison to last week, which was still a good race, but I just thought we saw so much more overtaking and not in the typical areas you would have anticipated. You were seeing it in the chicane. You're seeing it all throughout turns one and four, even some really bold moves into turn seven. So I was thrilled personally with the track. I, I hope they keep this format instead i do think that um as interesting technical tracks are you know from a a viewpoint of being a formula one fan that's interested in technical circuits and so on um obviously they should be kept but for people that are non-formula one fans and for neutrals i think that um i think that at least one track that's like like uh, the one we had today would really do a lot for the sport because it's everything that people want to watch in F1 it's lots of overtaking crashes you know pit stops costing half a lap lots of position changes you know it's sort of like watching an F1 race in the style of NASCAR which I think was really interesting and I think should definitely carry on and it really helped that the track was so fast and the lap was so short there was always something to look at and the officials and the team's never got a moment to rest throughout the whole race i just found it also really funny how uh when jack lost his front wing they had to deploy a full safety car just to pick it up because they had no time at all to have a marshal run out there and pick it up safely so i th- I found that element a really like interesting twist and it pretty much shook up the entire race from that point and they tried to do a virtual safety car didn't they for a little bit and mm-hmm. then they just realized it a gap was not forming and that was a problem with George's pit stop as well the fact that something so simple as a front wing falling off turned into eight laps behind a safety car is is kind of unseen before so I I think this track kind of eliminates the typical strategy calls where you can build up that gap 
safely pit and then come back out that's just not really an option here you always have to consider how much traffic you're going to be let out back into how much space your competitors can get ahead there's no real opportunity to fully pull away from someone at this track so I just think it made it so much more interesting and then having so many laps and the curbs being so intense also played up into tire degradation which has just been I think a theme for this entire season (laughs) Yeah, but imagine being a spectator at Bahrain as well. If fans were allowed there, it'd be amazing to see a car going by every couple of seconds, really, instead of having to wait a bit longer. Yeah, it'd be nice to not have to wait almost a full minute to see a car come back around. You've always got something, whether it's a you know front runner, midfield, back marker. You're Someone seeing some sort left. of action. Because <laughs> the quality of racing between the back markers was honestly very impressive to me today. Even in qualifying, I expected there to be some uh, crash or people getting in the way of each other, but none of that really happened. They were quite well behaved. I'm surprised not that many people fell off the track during the chicane as they did in like free practice. Like No one spun out. Yeah, and the commentators are saying it's because it's quite an old school track and it's, and it's designed and the cambers and the corners kind of come together to pull the car in the right direction to kind of give the drivers a bit of an aid. And that's something good. Yeah, it's funny to see sometimes when there's so much effort and money being put into building these new modern tracks that are supposed to be designed for the best overtaking. And then you go to an old school style of circuit and that's the best racing you get. So I just think stick with what works. Yeah, and as I said before, I do think that uh, new tracks and especially these really fast paced ones are really good for neutrals Oof. as well because... It has everything that a neutral wants to see in a race, and I think that makes it a lot more interesting as well when teams aren't so familiar with the track. That's the key point, the familiarity. I think the one in Saudi, they're still planning on how it's going to be laid out, so maybe after this season they can see what uh, has worked to bring us some racing with really good like overtakes and deploy. Because I know they did mention they don't want it to be a boring race. <laughs> Well, with how many millions are being poured into it, uh, I sure hope they get it right and that we don't end up with another Sochi or Spanish Grand Prix. God, I want those tracks off the calendar. So would you say then that maybe for all the rest of the calendars in the coming years, we have at least one sub one minute lap time track just for that bit of variety and, and it's proven that it can be a good race? I would say so, just just to give us a little bit of variety in terms of team decision-making and have something that's all about raw pace. Because, yeah, the technical tracks can be super interesting, but it doesn't always guarantee that you get the best overtaking. Sometimes it just all comes down to team decisions and playing the long game. So I think if you want kind of your more old school style of racing you you need those fast-paced action-packed tracks that might cause a bit more of a headache in terms of people on the pit wall but it's just so fascinating for the fans i could definitely see it being more of not necessarily dependent on sub one minute for myself but i'd like to see at least one track every like every season be different because you've heard a lot of the drivers say it's really fun to go to all these new tracks, new places. Uh, it doesn't just feel like a sort of rinse and repeat year after year at the same track with the same data. It's really exciting to see 
people come in with no knowledge of the track for at least a few years. So maybe if there could be just one race in the calendar, that's sort of like a lottery, they pick out of a hat, okay, we're going here this year. Uh, that'd be, I think, really fun to see and uh, bring a nice little twist. If it can be close to sub one minute, I think that's good for, like we were saying with the pit wall and no real room for error, but uh, I don't think it has to be sub one minute. Yeah, you make a good point with the just having a variety of tracks that the teams don't know where they're going to go. That's been a massive point this year in that the teams had little to no preparation or uh, prior notice of races. The calendar was getting decided as the calendar was unfolding. And they didn't get tire selection choice either, which I think maybe that's something that they can carry through from now on, not letting the teams decide their own tires, just giving everyone the same sets. It seems to even the field out a lot. And I think we can end the podcast there. We've taken up enough of your time already. Uh, thank you to both of you for coming on and being a part of our race review this week. It's our pleasure. Thanks for having us. We definitely encourage anyone listening to go check out their channel. It's amazing. And hopefully pretty soon we'll be uh, challenging you for years. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you so much for, for inviting us on. And uh for those of us, because our race reviews are only like 10 minutes, our viewers can also get a, a longer deep dive on our thoughts of the race and what's coming up here too. So I think this is a great opportunity for us as well. well cheers, guys. As always, for the listeners, if you've enjoyed what you've had today, then like, share and subscribe. We really appreciate it. If you want to add your own opinions, then comment and we'll get to it in another video. But for now, it's been let's have fun. Thank you.